0: Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities podcast. Each week, one of the four Cabinet curators, authors Stefan Bachman, Catherine Catmull, Claire Legrand, and Emma Trevain, will read a tale from their collection of terrifying short stories, The Cabinet of Curiosities, 36 Tales Brief and Sinister, available now wherever books are sold. I'm Catherine Catmull. This week, Stefan Bachman reads his story, Plum Boy and the Dead Man.
1: Plum Boy and the Dead Man by Stephen Bachman. A black tree leans over the rocky road from Harry Patch to Winthrop, a monstrous tree, thick and warped like a rotting blood vessel. Its branches whirl into the sky, strands of ink and frozen water. The countryside all around is bare, and the fields stretch for miles, and this is the only tree in sight, as if it has frightened all the other trees away. A length of rope is knotted through its crown, back and forth and crisscrossing and one bit of the rope hangs down and from it hangs a man a thief they say and a murderer and now look a little boy is coming up the road he is rich as a two ripe plum and round like one too and he has little toothpick legs and a jaunty green cap he stalks along swinging a half-sized walking stick made just for him staring at the darkening sky with large watery eyes he sees the tree and he sees something hanging in it, but he does not understand what. Only when he is directly below it does he see that it is a man, and the man is dead. Plumboy startles. He clutches at his hat, and his knees knock together. Slowly, very slowly, he begins to edge around the ugly tree, pressing himself to the far side of the road, and now he is past it and hurrying on. And this is when the dead man calls out. You... He cries very softly from his dead, dry throat. You come here a moment. The boy lets out a shriek and breaks into a proper run, but he is clumsy and he trips, and wriggling onto his back, he stares up in terror at the dead tree and the hanged man. Don't run, the dead man says very gently. He is hanging with his back toward Plumboy, but there is no one else in the fields and no one on the road, and Plumboy is sure it was the dead man who had spoken. Who are you? Plumboy squeaks, and then, because he does not want to sound afraid, he says, Why are you hanging in a tree? You might startle someone. Come down at once. Because Plumboy thinks the dead man is playing a game, and perhaps the dead man is. I wish I could, the dead man says, turning slowly on the end of the rope, but I'm afraid I'm quite incapable. Plumboy stands quickly and brushes the dust from his velvet breeches. He eyes the corpse suspiciously. It's a trick, says Plumboy, but his voice shakes. Come down! He stamps his foot. The dead man has turned a half circle. He is facing Plumboy now. His head is cricked over the noose, his eyes empty. He is smiling, but there is nothing else he can do. He has no lips any more. Alas, the dead man says, and he sounds unbearably sad. I cannot. But come and sit down a while at the bottom of my tree. Come and speak with me. Plumboy gapes at him. The dead man sounded kind, but there were maggots on his cheeks. No, said Plumboy. I'm going now. Oh, do not leave me. Do not go. It is so lonely here. But Plumboy is a cruel boy. He does not feel sorry for the dead man, even though it is lonely there. The fields are nothing but bare, wretched humps all the way to the horizon. Night is coming. All Plumboy thinks, however, is that he would prefer the dead man to be very desperate if Plumboy is going to speak to him. Plumboy stuffs his fingers in his pockets and hunches his shoulders. No, he says again, they hanged you for something, you are a criminal, you deserve to be lonely, that's my opinion. The dead man continues to smile. His teeth are very white. In life they must have never grown yellow with cane sugar and tobacco like those of Plumboy's parents, and indeed of Plumboy himself. The dead man begins to turn away from Plumboy again, the rope creaking. You seem to think a very great deal of your opinion, the dead man says softly. Of course I do. My father says everyone ought to have opinions or they'll be wobbly as pudding. But what if your opinion is not true? Plumboy thinks that is a very odd idea. He spins and begins to walk away again, for good this time. At least he pretends it's for good, but he simply wants the dead man to beg. And the dead man does. No, please," he cries after Plumboy. "Just tell me a few little things. What is your name? What is happening in the world these days? Is the tree still blooming in the square and Harry Patch? Tell me anything so that I can think on it while I hang here. The dead man cannot move, but it is almost as if he is struggling to twist back toward Plumboy. Plumboy sighs. He shakes his head slowly. Then he returns to the tree and pulls out a large, flowery handkerchief that has been soaked in lavender water and covers his entire face with it. All right, he says dramatically, but I don't want to look at you because you're so ugly. I live in Winthrop, in a big house that is nicer than all the other houses, and I have a mother and father and four sisters and three brothers, and my mother owns the bakery and the pie shop and the coffee house, too. How grand, the dead man says. And what month is it? And what is the weather like? And what is in your pockets? And what is your name? Plumboy realizes the dead man must be very nearly blind. It is April, spring, says Plumboy. He begins digging in his pockets almost eagerly. A jackknife comes out, a bit of string, and some sticky, nasty yellow toffees. He lists them to the dead man. I have a wind up horse too, says Plumboy, but I forgot to bring it. And then Plumboy straightens suddenly. The handkerchief slips from his face, but he does not catch it. You asked me my name twice. The dead man hangs from his rope, smiling. I'm sick of your questions, Plumboy says, stuffing everything back in his pockets. Why did they hang you? Oh, says the dead man, that is a very long, sad story. Well, you can leave out all the boring bits and the sad bits and only tell me the horrible crimes. But those are the most important parts, the dead man says. The boring bits and the sad bits. I don't want to know them. Did you kill someone? Was it very gruesome? It was very gruesome, says the dead man. Seven people from the farms, seven people on the forest floor, and they had no eyes and no teeth. But I did not do it. I was an herb brewer then, and I lived far from the town, but the magistrate said I was the murderer, and everyone was certain they agreed with him. They made their opinions so quick, in an instant, but their opinions were strong as stone, and so they hang me here. Who is the magistrate these days? Is it still old Master Peniman? And what is your name? Plumboy stares up at the tree. The sun is going down. It is an odd picture a round boy in an ugly tree, and a strange dead person stamped in black against the bloody red sun. William, says Plumboy, that's my name. And who is the magistrate? The dead man's voice sounds precisely the same as it had the first time he had asked the question, kind and a tiny bit wheedling, as if he did not realize he is asking it again, as if he does not care. Who is the magistrate? Plumboy peers up curiously. The handkerchief is blowing away up the road. He does not notice. It is still Master Peniman. Plumboy says slowly, "He's my father." Ah. The dead man stares down at Plumboy, still grinning, and the red glint of the setting sun is in his cold, blank eyes. And for the first time, Plumboy notices that the dead man has iron at his wrists and at his ankles, and making an X across his ribs. He is caged in it, but it cannot stop him anymore. That is your name, then, the dead man whispers. William Penniman. There is an odd brush of wind that flies around Plumboy's ankles and pulls at his cap. And then Plumboy feels very strange, very light. Plumboy's eyes are dim as old wicks; he feels dull and heavy, and he is watching a little figure walking away up the road, as if through a haze. At first, Plumboy thinks he has been robbed. My jacket, he thinks. The little imbecile in the road is wearing my jacket and holding my half-size walking stick and my lovely green cap. And then the figure turns to face him. With a slither of fear, Plumbo realizes that he is high up, staring down, and below him is his own smug face and watery blue eyes. He tries to shout, but all he can do is smile. The boy in the road smiles back. There is a jackknife in his pocket, and he lifts it out and swings it between thumb and forefinger, back and forth, back and forth. Then, with a little laugh, the new plumboy wheels and skips away down the road, and the night wind spins around the old plumboy and the black tree and turns him on the gibbet, and he must look to the north, though he does not want to look that way. He decides in an instant. He doesn't like the view at all.
0: That was Stefan Bachman reading his story, Plumboy and the Dead Man. Thank you for listening to the Cabinet of Curiosities podcast. The podcast music was written and performed by Stefan Bachman. You can find more stories in our collection, The Cabinet of Curiosities, 36 Tales Brief and Sinister, published by Greenwillow HarperCollins. We also post fresh, disturbing stories each week at our website, enterthecabinet.com. This is curator Catherine Catmull. Join us next week for another spooky or horrifying or perhaps simply awfully creepy story.